save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store, onthefinside.threadless.com. It is the week before the NFL draft, and Paul and I are going position by position. Check out our previous broadcasts at quarterback and running back as we get deeper and deeper into the Dolphins' positional needs. We're going to go through wide receiver and tight end here. And, again, just like running back, not a huge need for the Dolphins on the depth chart. As it stands right now, you've got Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant. So definitely not hurting for players there. Maybe a little bit more production, maybe a little more recovery from injury. But, again, as we saw, have seen throughout the years, when the Dolphins took Brian Hartline in the fourth round, in the 2009 draft, and when they took a guy who also fell at the time, who was Clyde Gates, there could be some some value there throughout the NFL draft, probably in the fourth, fifth, seventh round area on that day three, as well as undrafted free agents. So we're going to go through a lot of these players here. I had 44 draftable players. We are not going through all those today, but it is worth noting that there are 12 to 13 wide receivers on this board right now who it wouldn't be a surprise if you saw him in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, Paul. No, completely. And, and, and really, I think you have a little bit less need at wide receiver for Miami than I do. I do think that they still need somebody to come in here. If only because of the fact that the only healthy, healthy and productive return at this point is Kenny Stills. We've got Devontae Parker coming back who, let's face it, effort has sucked overall ever since he got drafted. Um, He's caused more interceptions than he's had positive plays. And I know Miami just re-signed him. Hopefully this coaching staff can get the most out of him. But I'm not holding my breath at this point. You know, fool me four times and, you know, shame on me. But – the other factor, too, is the fact that, yes, Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson are electric. I want to see them get used more. I want to see them get used effectively more. And, but they are both coming off some pretty serious injuries here. So you look at that and you look at the wide receiver position and suddenly, if the right guy were to fall, I would be more than willing to make that jump after them. But I don't want to see Miami go for receiver in the first round at the very least and only very selectively in the second round. Yeah, I think where we differ a little bit is not necessarily that I think the wide receiver position is a strength for the Dolphins, is that I see them using more two tight end and two running back sets, which is going to lessen that need at the wide receiver position. So I am intrigued by somebody who could fall to the third or fourth round 
And just to run through the names at the top real quick, uh, DK Metcalf, the athletic freak, ran a 4-3. I think he's severely overrated. Just try to watch him get get in and out of cuts. I would not take this guy in the top 10 or 15 picks like a lot of people are projecting. Marquise Brown, the Dolphins did have him in for some looks, has stupid speed. But he also is coming off a list Frank injury, and you know he kind of fits that same undersized mole of, of Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills. And just to run through a few more names, I'm not a big fan of Nikhil Harry or Kelvin Harmon. I think they struggle to separate at the NFL level, even though they were very productive in college. The one player I think is very underrated in this class is Paris Campbell. He kind of is that Albert Wilson type of player. I think he looks very effortless. He doesn't have a true boundary or a slot position, but if you move him around the field, you're going to get a lot of production. Ran a 4-3 and actually disappointed with that time, and he had 90 catches at Ohio State. Hakeem Butler is all over the place on a lot of people's boards. You watch – the bad games for him, and it is really bad. He struggles to separate. He looks like he doesn't know what he's doing out there. If you throw him the ball, it looks like he's not getting his head around fast enough. But you see, like, the bowl game from this past year. He, has, he had 190 yards receiving, dominated the football game. Um, and, you know, you've got Terry McLaurin, who's, who's rising up the draft boards here. At one time, he was a fourth or fifth-round pick. Recently, Mel Kuyper had him as a late first-round pick after he did so well during Senior Bowl week. So there are a lot of names, and I don't see all these guys going in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. And, Paul, I know that you have two guys that you've got your eye on, hopefully falling and providing some, some value for the Dolphins wherever they pick them, if they are under consideration. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that you, you mentioned about um... – Paris Campbell and being able to move him around and and really have him be complimentary to Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant especially because look I know a lot of teams try to build <clears throat> okay we've got our tall wide receiver we've got our short wide receiver we've got our speed guy and defenses are built for you know it's, it's almost like they've got this defensive back that covers your speed guy well this defensive back that covers your big body guy well they're not built for a team to do like what the New England did with the, with the tight end position a few years ago with, with Gronk and uh, Murderer there, Aaron Hernandez, where if you have multiples of the same type of, of pain in the ass, whether it's a bunch of big-bodied guys that can go out there and just destroy somebody in your backfield because they're not built to, to cover that, or if you've got multiple little pesky pain-in-the-ass speed guys that are going to be all over the field doing fun things, no defense is built with a backfield to combat that. And that's where I really have been a fan of Andy Isabella out of UMass throughout the process. He is just such a fast little pain-in-the-ass that you can move everywhere that despite Miami's needs in the trenches, if he's on the board in the second round, I would, ha- I would struggle not to pick him because he's a maximum effort player. And that's really what you're going to see across all of my, my wide receiver guys that I'm, I want to talk about today is I want maximum effort players, especially after watching Devonte Parker the past few years, I want guys that are going to fight for the ball, do everything they can and play with heart because I am sick and tired of watching guys. I'd rather have a guy that, that may not have all the physical tools 
which Andy Isabella has most of them except for the height. Um, <clears throat> then, then watch a guy with all the physical tools go out and suck because I, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it. And, and to that end, I mean, it, it's one of the guys that I've got on my list here to talk about too is Will Jordan Humphreys out of Texas. I mean, the guy's 6'4", 210, but he only ran a 4.74 in the 40. But this kid can do everything. He gets way better separation than he should for such a slow guy. I mean, he, he really plays like a 4.5, four, 4.6 four, guy, even though he ran a 4.74. Four. He's got great moves after the catch. He still manages to get separation despite being slow. And he can do all kinds of things. I mean, he ran a wildcat for these guys at that height and slowness. And if you've got three or four guys on the field that you can throw into a wildcat at any given moment, and he can pass out of it too, which was intriguing to watch, you can do a lot of fun things with your offense, which I know is something that our listeners are probably tired of hearing me say, but it's something that – Miami has been so sorely lacking, and it's been worse when, when we had Gase at the helm, teasing with the ability to do fun things and then stopping and, and making it boring and crappy. So really, a guy like Will Jordan Humphreys, I mean, he was a monster for Texas. And if he ran a 4-5, he'd be a second rounder for a lot of guys. I mean, it, it, it's he is that talented. So... Another guy, too, for me was, was J.J. Arcea-Whiteside. I'm sorry to just blow through a couple of guys here real quick, but out of Stanford. And he ran a sub-4-5. He fights for the ball at all times. He he tends to get a lot less separation than you'd expect for his size, even though he makes some good cuts. He's got phenomenal focus. Every time you see him tightly covered, he tends to come away with the ball, kind of like we used to see with Aronde Gadsden at times, where he'd have two guys hanging off him before the ball even got there, yet he would snatch that ball away from the defender and make something happen with it. And there is a role in place for that on, on this team. Yeah, and Aronde Gadsden is a great comparison there for our Sega Whiteside because is. And one thing is, Aronde Gadsden did not run a four four nine. I mean, I know Orsega Whiteside doesn't play to that speed, but in ter- Gadsden was known for one thing, and that is co- that was contested catches in the end zone. And Orsega Whiteside, by far, was the best college football player there. I, I think he needs to go to the right team. Personally, I, if he went to the Chargers in the second or third round with Philip Rivers, who puts the ball up, I think that would be a great fit there but he is a contested catch guy and I think the theme of what you're saying with Arsega Whiteside little Jordan Humphrey and Andy Isabella's production because every everybody you listed there had incredible production last year in a receiving core that has not been very productive for what they've been paid and what they've been drafted so there, there are a lot of names that you that you threw out there a very good breakdown of those a couple of guys that that I have on my list are are number one is for me in in the middle rounds is somebody that I was tipped off by Pro Football Focus when I listened to one of their podcasts. That was Deontay Johnson from Toledo. He's five ten, one hundred and eighty three pounds. When I watched two games of him, I just just saw him separate so well throughout the game, and that production and that separation I think could be used for the Dolphins in their wide receiver unit. And again, somebody available in those late rounds 
too. And Keelan Doss from California Davis, he was a, a transfer. I'm, I'm not quite sure where he came from, but a 2017 season had over 1,500 yards. The name that I keep hearing from NFL Network to ESPN to CBS to what I've seen is a poor man's Keenan Allen, and that when you look at him, it looks like he shouldn't separate that well, but he does. And it's not just because he played at California Davis, but when he went to Senior Bowl Week, he was doing that against some of the best cornerbacks there in the country. Uh, Preston Williams is another interesting name from Colorado State. He got in a lot of trouble, got kicked out of Tennessee, but went to Colorado State this past year, 96 catches, 1,300-plus yards. And because of his lack of production throughout his college career and the troubles that he's had, may fall to the to the late rounds there as well. But, again, we've got 43 players here. Paul, we could go through all of them and have a three-hour show on them. I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to say I one last name. <laughs> <laughs> last name, Darius Slayton from Auburn. Uh, the comparison I've heard is Ted Ginn, which I know a lot of Dolphins fans may throw up at that. But he's very, very smooth in and out of his cuts. And when I watched him against very good competition, he was able to play his best in big games such as Alabama. And so I see him – being in that sixth, seventh round area. And I think when you get him on your team, and this is important, he may be able to play some special teams for you because of that size. So we'll see who the Dolphins come away with here on draft day if they take a wide receiver at all. But another position that they probably won't consider but might is the tight end spot. I mean, they're stocked right now with Dwayne Allen, a tight end, who they signed to a contract. They drafted, obviously, Mike Gesicki and Durham Smythe last year, who disappointed. They also brought Nick O'Leary off the street, signed him to a contract extension. So they've got four guys right now who are roster-worthy players, if you will. But So we're, we're going to run through these a little bit quickly. But I'll tell you this, Paul. T.J. Hawkinson, if I were to point to one player in this draft and say in two or three years he is going to be in a Pro Bowl, it would be Hawkinson. I mean, never underestimate – the ability of a player to make things look effortless. He lines up on the line, he blocks extremely well, and he overtook Noah Fant as that number one tight end there at Iowa. And Noah Fant was a mid-first-round pick heading into the year, still may go mid-to-late first round, too. And this is probably going to be the first time in, uh, in NFL history that you may say, see two tight ends drafted in the first round from Iowa. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'd venture to say from the same team period because we've had plenty of years with the NFL draft. You don't see a tight end go in the first round at all, and if so, you only see one. Um, As much as you and I both know, and a lot of our longtime listeners know, I love the tight end position. It's it's one of my favorite in football, and you know anybody that watched me drool over Dallas Goddard last year and, and hope and pray and wish and the devastation you saw from me probably when they went Gesicki over Dallas Goddard is, is, is it's self-evident. But one thing I'd urge our listeners to do is, and really Kat and I both have no problem pointing to good content, no matter whether it's from us or from somebody else, it's CK Parrott, who we've had on the show a few times, did a 
dynamite breakdown of Mike Gesicki's production versus usage last year and, and what he did versus what he was asked to do that really shows that maybe he wasn't the disappointment so much as his usage was the disappointment. Um, so in reality, I mean, they may still have a first-round talent in Mike Gesicki, as well as the fact that it was just his rookie year. Tight ends do tend to take time to develop. It's very rare you see a tight end come out and devastate out of the gate no matter who they are. So, again, Miami's got, you know, 27 tight ends on the roster at this point. You'd think one or two of them would shake out a little bit. I, I fully expect Dwayne Allen to be on the injured report as, you know, week two rolls along here. But one guy that kind of stood out for me, and, and I kind of kept with the theme I had from, from the wide receiver position where, you know, it's uh, anybody that's watched Deadpool or listened to him knows that the slogan's maximum effort, and that's what I went for with the tight end position. And a, a guy that really intrigues me is Jay Sternberger out of Texas A&M. I mean, he doesn't look pretty out there at wide receiver, but he's a maximum effort guy who high points the ball beautifully in traffic, makes a lot of contested catches, and despite the fact that he seems slow, he just he gets open, um, runs some pretty good routes uh, or routes, and I mean he's just he's just another max effort guy. I think could potentially fight to have a role on this team. I'm not saying he's going to be your number one tight end, but if you can get him in a mid to late round and you can have him come in and potentially be that guy that, that lines up in those two tight end sets or maybe out of an H back position and just throws that effort out there or lets you move Gesicki to an H back position and be even more productive to his skill set, I'd be down for that type of a move. Yeah. And he's the exact guy that would provide great value in the mid to late rounds too, because I mean, Sternberger was a transfer from Kansas and only really had one year of productivity at Texas A&M, but he had 832 yards, averaged 17 yards a catch, had 10 touchdowns. He's what I call a hands catcher too. So he can create separation and looks incredibly polished for only really having one year of production in college. But I think a lot of teams may dock him for that, which may send him down into the fourth or fifth round, especially in a draft like this where you've got some really good tight ends at the top. Uh, another shout-out there to, uh, to uh, C.K. Parrott. One player he has been banging the table for is San Diego State's Cahill Waring. Now, he did not have a lot of production in college either, but tight end tends to be a traits-driven position. So what I mean by that is you take a look at somebody like uh, Jimmy Graham, I mean, I'm not comparing him to Graham whatsoever, but he had 17 catches in college. Antonio Gates, who's going to walk into the Hall of Fame, did not even play college football. If you can bring those power forward types of position or types of traits to the tight end spot and you you get a couple of years, sometimes you're allowed to demonstrate those talents. Uh, Kale Warning looks a lot like kind of a, a miniature poor man's underdeveloped version of Travis Kelsey. He's 6'5", 250 pounds. He's very, very strong, ran a 4.67, and you can see him get open and get in and out of cuts very, very easily and do so with power, too. So he's somebody, too. I, I expect him to go, when it's all said and done in that third-round area, probably out of the Dolphins' range for what their needs are, but 
he's also somebody, if, if the production is held against him over the long term, could go down into the fourth or fifth round too. Uh, Dawson Knox is a player I really like. And what I, help, what I, or excuse me, what I hope is actually held against him too, he didn't catch a touchdown in college believe it or not, and he's still projected right now as kind of a third-round pick. I hope he falls a little bit, too. But there's a good reason why he, was, why he didn't catch a touchdown in college. I mean, you look at the wide receivers, D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Demarcus Lodge, Brown and Metcalf probably going in the first round, Lodge third or fourth round likely. And they had a quarterback that really went over the top lot, didn't like to fit the ball into seams, a lot there at Mississippi. So he's somebody else to keep an eye on. Uh, last name for a late rounder, if you want to keep an eye on this guy, Keenan Brown from Texas State. What I watched him, I kept making the note of Charles Clay. He's 6'2", 250 pounds, gets moved all around the offense, and has very long arms for his size, too. So he surprised a lot of people by showing up and looking very strong at the combine, separating well, catching the ball with his hands, kind of in the same way that Charles Clay did back in 2011. So hopefully the Dolphins can take a look at, at some of these players. Other than that, Paul, I look through lists, or through tight end 7 through 13 or so, and I think you're probably, like I said in the previous podcast with Bellage and Drake, if you draft a running back, you may just be trying to throw another one onto the pile here. Yeah, I, I, I'd i be very shocked. I mean, Miami went back to the well twice last year, which I don't know if anybody predicted it except for, well, oh, wait, I did, um, you know, in, in, the, in the first few rounds. And this is another time where I'm going to be a little bold here, and I don't think Miami takes a, draft, a, a tight end in this year's draft unless – they really fall value-wise, and there's such a blatant best value available on their board. I just don't see it happening this year. That's definitely not bold. I, I don't see them taking a tight end either in the draft. Uh, what I like in about the NFL draft is those picks like Lamar Miller in the fourth round of the 2012 draft where, wow, this guy is here in the fourth round, this guy is here in the fifth round. We never expected him to be there, and we're going to stash him on our depth chart, and then you see that player turn into a starter. So, yeah, I I don't see that either, and that will uh, actually wrap up our analysis of the wide receiver tight end position. I don't see the Dolphins drafting a wide receiver or a tight end, to be honest with you, but quite possibly could happen because I'm a very big proponent that on day three of the NFL draft, if the right player is there and he falls far enough that you they should definitely give him some consideration. So that will wrap up our analysis of the wide receiver tight end position for the Miami Dolphins heading into the NFL draft. A few names to keep an eye on there. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store on the finside.threadless.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us off. It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. Listen, fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.